Good morning and welcome to Forward City. If you're joining with us for the first time today, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about choices. Because while we can't change our actions in the past, we can take care to make the wise choices for today for our future. Because who you are and where you will be is largely going to be influenced by the choices that you make today and the choices you make today going forward. So as followers of Jesus Christ, you know, we've learned that we need to choose a few things. And one of them is discipline over regret, purpose over approval, surrender over control, commission over omission. And we need to choose to step out over opting out. Now today, I want to introduce our next choice that we need to be taking as Christians. And I want to introduce it by asking a question. And here's the question. Do you feel that you just don't have enough time? Like I can imagine most of us would say that I wish I had more time to to do whatever, to rest, to read, to spend more time with our kids, with our family, to garden, to golf, to exercise. I mean, I would say that most of us would say we wish we had more time. You know, you might say, I I wish I had more time to do something that is really important or just something that I really want to do. But if you're like most people, you're like, I'd love to, but I can't. I'm just too busy. I've got too many things going on. I've got too many plates in the air. I just can't do it. And here's another question. At at the end of the day, how many of you feel completely sapped and drained of energy? Like you, you can't point to anything that you accomplished of real significance and you're feeling defeated. Like you went through the entire day and it's like, man, what, what did I do? Did anything really matter? Did I accomplish anything? Now, well, today I, I want to encourage you because your problem isn't discipline. Well, some of, some of you, yes, some of you need to develop some discipline. But for some of you, your problem isn't organization either. I mean, although organization can help. Your problem isn't that, that you haven't stumbled onto the perfect program or the perfect system to make everything fit together. Here's your problem. Your problem is that there's just not enough time to get everything done that you're convinced or that others have convinced you needs to get done. There's just not enough time to do everything that you think needs to get done. But what if I told you that actually you do have enough time to do the things that are important to you. It's just that you aren't choosing wisely what to spend your time on. See, there actually is enough time because see, you actually have time to do what you choose to have time for. See, in light of that, I want to challenge you to choose the important over the urgent. Now, I can almost imagine what a lot of you are going to say right now or are saying. I thought important, I thought urgent things are important, Mark. I, mean, I thought they were important. And while that can be true, I just kind of want to bring a little distinction between important and urgent. Because urgent things, they're not always important. See, in the 11th grade, I, I got my first car. It was a beautiful 85 Ford Escort hatchback. Now picture that car in that picture there, only, only five years older, but it had a broken gas gauge and a passenger door that would never open, and it only cost $500. That was my car, and I loved it. I drove it everywhere. I mean, that, in fact, I drove it for an entire year, and then one day, man, it just stopped running, and I didn't understand why. I mean, I had a job and a girlfriend. I was graduating in a few months. Man, I needed that car, and I needed that car fixed now. 
That was super important, but more than that, it was urgent. It had to be done now. Now, this is going to make a lot of you laugh at my ignorance, I mean, especially you, Tim. But back at my place, my stepdad was looking at the engine and he asked me, when was the last time you changed the oil in this car? And I said, then quote, you have to do that? <laughs> I mean, I just figured it was some closed loop system. So once you have oil, you always have oil. My stepdad was like, didn't you read anything about owning a car? And I'm like, no, I didn't. See, in that moment, I was faced with an urgent need to get a new car because I chose not to do the important thing and learn about how to maintain a car. See, for all of you procrastinators out there, I mean, can I get a shout out? Because I'm a procrastinator, I get it. And I used to get, hey, Mark, you, you want to go out tonight? And I was like, no, man, I can't. And I got a huge paper due and it's due tomorrow. It was urgent because it was due the next day. And it was urgent because I chose not to do the important thing the past two weeks and work on it. It was urgent because I didn't work on it, which was important. Seth Godin is a guy that writes about leadership and marketing. And one of his books that he's written is probably one of the best books I've ever read on leadership. I mean, here's what he said about the difference between urgent and important. Seth said, if you choose what is important, you won't deal with as many things that are urgent. But he also said the opposite is almost never true. Now today, I want to help us understand this. And to help us understand this, we're going to look um, at a story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And it's a story about two sisters named Mary and Martha. And together, we're going we're gonna to discover that because Martha is so overwhelmed by the urgent that she is missing what is most important. Listen to Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Back a number of years ago, Bill and Carol invited a couple they just met to a Christmas production that we were hosting at our previous church. And at the end of the production, Marsh and I were introduced to this couple. And you know, after I think like two minutes with the six of us kind of just talking, they invited Marsha and me to a get together they were having the next day. And they were hosting um, like a goodbye to a bunch of people because this couple, they were leaving the day after that. Now, shocked and humbled at their invitation, Marsh and I show up at their apartment the next evening with Bill and Carol. And I'll never forget what Carol told us before we went in. You see, Bill and Carol, they've been missionaries like all over the world. And because of that, they understand the nuances of the many different cultures. So when they speak to us, you know, we listen. You know, and she told us not to say that we like anything in the house. Not, not, no pictures, dishes, knickknacks, because in their culture, it doesn't matter their economic status. If you say you like something, there might be a good possibility that they're going to insist on giving it to you. Now, man, I love Bill. He's probably thinking to Carol, like, man, why would you tell him that? Because I think deep down that he wanted to see me in an awkward situation. Because when you walk into a house, you mean, oh, that's nice. I like that. That's really pretty. Oh, where'd you get that? I like that. I think he wanted to see me get into an awkward situation, but I'm really glad Carol told us that. But she also told us that they would feed us. But this wouldn't just be a light snack, that this would probably be a full meal. And in that culture, if your plate was empty, they would insist on filling it up again and again and again 
So if you're done, just leave food on the plate. Now, again, I think Bill was like upset at Carol for telling for her telling us about that because I think he wanted to see me in another awkward situation, just laugh, which I would have done the same thing probably to him. So when we went in, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't comment on anything in the entire house. I mean, it was just, it was beautiful, but I didn't say anything. And, and although I did eat, man, I did eat a lot. Man, the food was amazing. Uh, but I was, a, you know, because I was so full, I was afraid of having an embarrassing moment. When I was done, counterintuitively, I just left food on my plate. So here's another question. Now, what would you do if you were having company for dinner at your place? Now, I know that most of us, it depends on who's coming over or, or, how, or how comfortable we are with them, and it would depend on that. I mean, for some of you, um, you do the serious prepping. You get everything together, and then you'd even get out the nice napkins, not the regular napkins. For some people, you just put, out, you put a little bit of effort into the meal, but not too much. I mean, you do a little bit of tidying up. You, know, you make sure there's toilet paper and that there isn't some overspray on the toilet or around the toilet. I mean, for some people, you're just so comfortable with them that you're in like your stretchy pants and from the couch, you yell, hey, the door's open. And you expect basically if they want something, they can go get it from themselves in the fridge. But in Martha's culture, hospitality was held with the utmost importance. Guests were meant to be welcomed into their family circle, into the family circle and treated with the utmost generosity and honor, even if you were a stranger. Because he sensed failing to do so would bring shame upon Martha as a host. Reputations, they were tarnished if word got out that you were an ill-prepared host. This was so important. And so when we stop and think about how we operate in our context, it gives us a little perspective and maybe some grace on what Martha was experiencing this moment. Because when you read that passage again, this wasn't just anyone coming. What does it say? Who was coming over? Him. Now Martha probably, now Martha and Mary, they probably didn't recognize Jesus as Messiah yet at that time. But he was the biggest celebrity and the most influential teacher the world had ever known. And everywhere this guy went, miracles happened. This was an important person and he was coming into her house. Not someone else's house, but her house. So while Martha was getting everything ready, the text goes on to say, her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. I don't know about you, but I wonder how many times I've been distracted and missed something important. You ever thought that? I mean, I wonder how many of us have been faithfully pursuing the urgent And because of that, we've been neglecting that which is most important. Let me phrase it another way for us. What is the most important thing you've been distracted from doing? Probably most of us as Jesus followers, if we were honest, we'd say, man, we just, we've been so distracted from spending time with Jesus, like spending a real time with him. We're just too distracted. Some of you would probably say, I'm so busy doing things for my kids, I haven't actually enjoyed my kids. Like I'm doing so many things for them, but I haven't actually invested in them. And some of you, if you're really honest, you'd say that you've become child-centered parents. Your whole life, your whole life revolves around your kids. But because of that, what have you neglected? You've neglected your marriage. 
I mean, some of you would say, I, I've neglected my physical body. I mean, there's so much going on. I have so many plates spinning in the air that I haven't had time to eat better. I haven't had, I haven't had time to exercise. I haven't had time to get in shape. But some of you would, your issue's more internal. I mean, there's, there's an addiction or a habit or a recurring sin that you need to deal with and you know it's really important, but you haven't dealt with it yet. Why? Because there's just so many other urgent things going on in your life. I'll get to that later. See, Martha was so distracted with what she had to do that she missed what she should do. Listen to what Jesus' response after she started complaining about her plight. My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. See, for some of you, this is your life verse. You're worried and upset about many things. And he goes on to say, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Martha chose what was urgent. Mary chose what was important. See, if we're not intentional about this, if we don't take this to heart, the urgent will always crowd out the important. And this happens all the time. And you can keep telling yourself, you know, I'll get to those important things someday, but after I take care of this urgent stuff, I'll get to that later, but I need to take care of all of this stuff first. But let me just lovingly say to you something that you've already experienced. If you're waiting to do the important stuff until after your schedule clears up, trust me when I say that it won't happen that way because you'll always feel busy. And if anything, life gets even busier the older you get, or maybe or at least until you retire, but by then you just miss the opportunity. It doesn't get any easier. So here's a question for you. How do you choose what is important over the urgent? You know, we're talking about this. Okay, so how do you choose what is important over the urgent? See, now this is going to sound too simple, but the first thing that you and I need to do is we need to identify the things that are most important to you. What needs to be given special attention? What needs to be put ahead of something else? What do you need to say yes to even if it means saying no to other things? Now, I'm your pastor, but I can never tell each of you all the things that should be on your list, but I can tell each of you what should be at the top of your list. See, in Matthew's gospel, we read this. As Jesus is speaking, he says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? See, these things dominate our, the, the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. See, here God is saying that if you put God first, he will impact everything else in your life. See, in light of this, we have some work to do. See, if we want to put God first and let him deal with everything else in our lives, we need to carve out some time and answer these questions. If we're going to choose the important over the urgent, we need to answer these questions. The first one is this. What is distracting you from putting God first in your life? Like what's distracting you from doing that? What other important things have you been distracted from doing? 
And what are you going to do to change so you can give these things your priority, not your leftovers? At the end of that conversation, Jesus tells Martha, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. See, listen, you and I, we have a choice. We have time for what we choose to have time for, but you can make excuses or you can make changes so you can grow, but you can't make them both. If you choose that which is most important, there won't be as many things that are urgent. But the opposite, the opposite is rarely true. Martha was distracted by urgent things, but Mary chose what was most important and it will never be taken away from her. That's why with the help of Jesus, who we choose every single day, who we seek every single day, with his help, we will choose the important over the urgent And when we do, God takes care of everything else. Ford City, I love you. And I hope you have an incredible week. And very soon, we're going to be able to gather as a family outside. So continue to check our Facebook and continue to check our website for information on that. Love you. Have a great week. God bless you.